0: Welcome to The Howler, your weekly look into the state of Wolfpack
1: Athletics. Now let's go to your hosts, Chris Lehman and Drew Blevins. Hello everyone and welcome back to The Howler. I'm Drew Blevins alongside of Chris Lehman. This is the show that will bring you the state of Wolfpack Athletics. This is our second episode of the first season of the show. Chris, good to be back. Oh yeah, looking forward to doing some more talking about sports. Can't ask for anything else. Last week, our guest was Sam Banashevitz of the NC State ice hockey team, a team that ended up beating the North Carolina Tar Heels by a final count of nine to one. We will get to that later in the show. Today's guest is Rebecca Martin of the North Carolina State Wolfpack Club gymnastics team. Rebecca, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
1: So, Club gymnastics is sort of one of those hidden gems here at NC State. I think the first question to ask really is, what got you into gymnastics, and how did you find out about this club team?
2: Well, I was really into gymnastics when I was younger, as most girls do. I mean, they start out um, just recreationally taking classes, Um, and I did that for about two years and decided that's not where my heart was, and so I became a competitive dancer and did that for, gosh, eight, nine years. Um, and that's really where my heart was. But while I was dancing, I was taking um, acro lessons, which is you know, acrobatic dance, and you learn the basics of gymnastics and um, the proper technique of tumbling and f- like floor routines and all that. Um, and I got to compete those in several different dance competitions. And after I graduated high school and um, came to college, I decided that I'd spend a lot of time in dance and I kind of wanted to shift my focus back to gymnastics as a whole. Um, And so I did some research online and found the club gymnastics team.
1: I mean, gymnastics really is sort of one of those niche sports. And without a doubt, if you have not seen gymnastics in the Olympics or what have you, it is certainly a sport. There is so much core strength, so much agility and coordination required. But what's the appeal of gymnastics to you personally?
2: Personally, I just love the skill required. I mean, not only do you have to have technique, but it's really, really skill-based. I mean it's an art as a whole and it's so beautiful to watch i love watching dance gymnastics figure skating all of those performance-based sports i guess if that's what you want to call them Um, but i've always just been so drawn to just the the grace and the balance it takes to execute the skills so seamlessly
0: Uh, and so you bring that up that that brings up a a question uh, for me uh, you talk about how it really is kind of precision. You have to be very skillful. You have to really be on. How many times do you practice a week? Because it's not something it really seems like you can go do once or twice a week. It's it's a really something you have to do repetitively to be good at.
2: Right. The club team practices two days a week for two hours at a time. So Thursday nights we practice from 7 to 9 um, at Superior Gymnastics in Morrisville. And then on Sunday afternoons we practice from 4 to 6 here in Carmichael Gym. Um, and the varsity team has been very kind, letting us use their equipment and letting us use their mats and everything, and it's, it's, of course, nice to practice on campus and have everything right here.
1: So, I mean, we are still a good ways away from traditional gymnastic season, but from what I could tell from the Facebook page that's out there, this is really a year-round sport because you have to be able to stay in shape. What's the workout regimen like?
2: Well, um, for each practice, we start out um, warming up together as a team for about 30 minutes or so, um, we'll do some running and some stretching to warm up, and then we'll go across the floor and do basic technique just to warm up. We'll start out with forward rolls, do some cartwheels, work our way up to um, higher level backflips and everything, and then after about 30 minutes are over, we'll kind of split up and go our separate ways, and it's really a free practice. It's pretty open-ended. You can work on what you need to work on. Um, you can go work on your beam routine. You can work on bars. Um, and we kind of help each other out. A lot of the girls have been in competitive gymnastics for most of their lives, and so for those of us who may not have had proper training for so many years, it's good to be able to ask them, hey... You know, what's the best way to execute this technique without falling? You know, that kind of thing.
1: We focused a lot on the individual aspect. I mean, becoming better as a gymnast yourself. But what a lot of people don't realize is that there is certainly a competitive edge to the sport, especially once you get into scoring and competitions. I mean, it's fairly akin to golf because you're playing against yourself, trying to beat the best that you had last time, but there's also another individual, another team on the other side of the mat. Can you explain that sort of dynamic in the competitive
2: uh, realm of this sport? Definitely. I think um, the competitiveness against the other um, competitors is definitely a driving force. I mean, of course, in in any sport, when you know you're competing against somebody else head-to-head, you want to perform your best, you want to win, you want to beat the other person, but there is definitely... Um, a level of pressure on yourself to beat your personal record, to um, perform better than you did the last time, to get a higher score on your floor routine or your your beam routine. So I think it goes both ways. I personally focus on the personal score, um, but I know a lot of the girls are definitely worried about the competitors.
0: (laughs) I wanna ask you about the specific events that you do. What events do you do, your favorite events, and why?
2: My favorite event is floor. Um, probably because that's kind of where I got my start in gymnastics was learning acrobatic routines in dance. Um, and so that's where a lot of my skill lies. Um, I've got a very flexible back, which is very, very useful for back walkovers and back handsprings. And um, that's kind of my strong suit in gymnastics. Is I was just blessed with a very flexible back. And so um, people always tell me I'm very, very graceful. And so I love doing that. Um, I also really love beam. I'm not so good at it. But I have been practicing a lot, and so I think I think I'm getting a lot better at that. I don't think I'll ever be able to compete on bars on for club gymnastics, just because that requires. I mean, you have to be conditioning those muscles constantly. It's like it's all in your arms, it's your shoulders, it's your back, it's your core. It works every muscle you have, and you may not think that it's pretty surprising, but. It's, uh, it's so insane. would you consider
0: that to be the, the hardest event out there?
2: I think I think it's probably the hardest um, because you have to start training from that for that right from the get go. And if you have not conditioned those muscles, like I said, it's really hard to pick it up. I mean, I've been trying and trying, but in order to execute a proper giant where you swing your body all the way around the bar, that takes years and years of practice.
0: So how does the scheduling work for gymnastics? We've talked a lot about kind of the technicalities and, and the sport itself. How does the, the competition work for you guys and how does your schedule work out?
2: Um, the club team competes um, in about three or four local regional meets in the springtime. We'll travel to UNCW, UNC Chapel Hill, Wake Forest, um, and we'll often host our own meet around April or so, early April. Um, And we'll have all of those schools come to our home gym and we will compete against each other. And then about mid-April or so, we'll travel to nationals. And last year they went to Philadelphia and this year they're going to California and they're very excited about that.
1: If you had to give your own sort of advertisement for watching gymnastics what's that going to look like because as you alluded to this isn't a hard-hitting action sport it is about grace and performance so what's the appeal to to watch it and finding the inner beauty inside the sport
2: well I think because it requires so much grace and skill and agility um, the performers and the athletes make it look easy And so it makes it seem like, oh, you know, there's not a whole lot of technique or a whole lot of skill required. They're just good at it. You know what I mean? And I feel like in other sports, you may have to work a little bit harder. And that um, persistence is, I guess, a little bit more visible. Um, But I think that gymnastics is definitely underrated. And, I mean, it's just so beautiful and so interesting to watch, the fact that you can flip your body in so many different ways I mean it's just insane
0: so who's your favorite gymnast to watch
2: here on on campus on campus or or, in general general.
1: Olympic athlete anybody
2: oh my gosh I would have to say my favorite Olympic athlete for the past several years has been Michaela Maroney she was famous for the unimpressed look I'm sure you saw memes all (laughs) over the internet oh yes oh she is hilarious but she's an amazing gymnast I think she's she's retired recently as she's gone into acting a lot but she was an amazing gymnast and I loved watching her perform
1: Can you explain the physical toll that this puts on the body? Because what you see with a lot of gymnasts, especially if you go to foreign countries, Russia, China, you've got 14-year-olds competing in the Olympics that are retired by age 20, and in other sports, 20 is sort of that lower limit for athletes that are even considered to get into the Olympics. Why is that?
2: It's because it is so hard on the joints. I mean, it is hard hitting. Every time you come out of a double back layout, All that weight is going straight to your knees, and I mean, it's just insane. And like the way that your tendons have to be able to hold up your weight when you're balancing on one foot on the balance beam, I mean, it's just, it's very, very brutal on the body. And I know that the varsity team, um, they have to take ice baths after their practices, um, just because it is so grueling. And if they don't ice everything, you know. They risk tearing muscles, tearing tendons, and um, one of my good friends on the varsity team, Aubrey Hine, she's been having some problems um, over the past couple of seasons with her shoulder. Um, she's been pulling a ligament, and she's going to have to have surgery after she graduates, which is very, very sad, but she's going to try to finish out the season, but I know it is so tough on her. She, she has to go through all kinds of physical therapy and such just because it's, it's really hard on the body.
0: Uh, that seems to kind of be one of the themes. It's, it's a really tough sport. It's hard on the body. It is. So uh, what do you do outside of just practicing? Hopefully you have to have some strength as well to be able to do some of these things because they are incredible to be able to do. What do you do outside of just your, your normal practice routine?
2: We do weight training and lots of cardio to build up endurance because um, a lot of these routines require a lot, a lot, a lot of strength and endurance. Um, weight training, like I said, just to build up those muscles. The core muscles are so important in all I mean performance sports that I have focused on dance gymnastics figure skating I mean the core muscles in your stomach and your back are really what help you to get like I guess do these skills I mean Mm -hmm. it's just it's crazy and so um, definitely different weight training regimens but yeah
1: I mean, certainly strength is important, but and and as you alluded to, Aubrey Hine, having the the shoulder issue, I'm sure you're aware Matt Day's running back for the NC State football team toe injury Mm -hmm. doesn't seem like anything big, but as a running back, that's going to debilitate him. As a gymnast, what is even a small injury? What impact does that have on your ability to perform?
2: Well, you're using almost your entire body, like I said before, to execute many of these skills. I mean whether it's a backflip on the floor or a leap on the beam, you're relying on almost every part of your body to hold you up so you don't fall. And so even the slightest injury on some random part of your body can really make a difference in how you perform.
0: All right, so what has really been the your favorite part about competing in gymnastics or your favorite moment uh, with the the club gymnastics team here at NC State, one of the things that you've really enjoyed?
2: I just love how much I've gotten to learn since I didn't, um, really train in gymnastics. I've learned so much from the other members. A lot of these girls are amazing. They're competing at level nine, um, and they are just phenomenal. And so um, whenever we're practicing, I know that I can go up to them and not have to worry about bothering them if I want to ask them, hey, can you like give me some tips on how to land this better? You know, I'm having a hard time executing this skill, and they're all so friendly, so helpful, and they give me the skills that I need. And a lot of them actually coach at the gym that we practice at. And so they have a lot of experience with coaching um, people and really, really helping them. So that's, that's been really cool.
1: I mean, you talked about the fact you didn't really have a background in gymnastics and especially throughout most of the South, there hasn't been a whole lot of development of the sport in general. How how much better would we see gymnasts get if there were more high school programs tied to the schools like there would be football or baseball? How much would that improve the quality of gymnasts coming out of the country and especially the South in general?
2: I think, I mean, it would improve it tremendously. I mean, um, more practice time, of course, um, funding from the school to get proper equipment. Um, the, the equipment you use makes all the difference in the world. Um, I know some of the beams that we use in Carmichael aren't as sturdy as we would like them to be. And so when we go to Superior, we look forward to using some of those beams just because they're sturdier. But then there's things at Superior that are better at Carmichael. And so when you um, go to each different gym, there's different things that are better. and stuff like that but I mean I feel like if there was a lot of support from parents teachers other athletes I mean these athletes could grow tremendously
0: all right so we're, we're getting down close to the end of the interview here so I just had one more question for you uh, it's not a lot of the club sports around the campus here at NC State get a lot of exposure so what kind of ways can we interact with the club gymnastics teams and help them out
2: that is a good question well, I know that we've been trying to do some fundraisers, of course, to um, raise funds for nationals, and so um, maybe on our part we could get more involved with the campus community and just let them know that we're here and just get them involved that way. So.
1: Without a doubt. Rebecca, thanks so much for joining us. I think this has been a highly educational interview. I mean, Wolfpack Sports really hasn't had much coverage of gymnastics at any level, so we certainly appreciate the education you've given us. Thanks so much for your time.
2: Thank you for letting me be here. I really enjoyed it.
1: Absolutely. That's Rebecca Martin of the North Carolina State Wolfpack Club gymnastics team. On the other side of the break, Chris Lehman and I will be discussing the shellacking NC State hockey gave to the North Carolina Tar Heels, as well as talking a little bit of football and a little bit of and soccer as they try to win their first-round ACC tournament matchup tonight. We'll be back on the other side of the break with that. Thank you so much again, Rebecca. Welcome back to The Howler. Drew Blevins alongside Chris Lehman. We just heard from Rebecca Martin of the NC State gymnastics team at the club level. Very enlightening interview when you say, Chris. I had no idea that much effort went into gymnastics. I mean, I knew it was tough, but I didn't know it was that tough.
0: Uh, it's always great to hear those kinds of things because that's one of those sports that you only hear about like once every four years when the Olympics roll around. So it's a lot of fun to hear about all those the things that really go into it to see that finished
1: product. Oh, and you better believe those Olympians are even training right now, which is highly impressive. So a great interview from Rebecca Martin. Let's go ahead and hop over from the gym floor to the ice, and NC State, to put it kindly, absolutely schlacked the North Carolina Tar Heels. I, I picked them to win. I picked them to win big. I didn't quite understand there was that much explosive offensive firepower. I, this was a full 60-minute effort, uh, really an outstanding hockey game.
0: Oh, yeah, and they came out right from the start, and we talk about this all the time. It's always about the start. That dictates how a game's going to go. When you score 30 seconds in, you know it's going to be a good one. And this team, just everyone is stepping up this year. Everyone has improved. The person that really has impressed me the most, everyone thinks I'm going to say Sam Banashevitz, but I almost expect that out of him now because he did it last year Two as goals, well. three
1: assists against the Tar Heels, that's right.
0: But the one that I think is a little bit underestimated and looked over a little bit is Will Bieberdorf has become a very good centerman for NC State this year. I remember watching him last year and really being frustrated with him in the faceoff circle because he really wasn't doing a good job for NC State and controlling off of draws. But this year he has been incredible. You don't see him lose too many face offs and that is huge.
1: No, the biggest question mark for me going into the season was in goal. I knew Calvin Stone was going to be solid, but not healthy, has not played a single minute. Joey Hall is on track for something real special in net. I think he's going to give Calvin Stone a run for his money. If I was Mike Gazzillo at this point, I'm really considering not touching my starting keeper because he has played so well. The other person I've been highly impressed with, Simon Lecter on defense, but the other line mate on that Bieberdorf and Banishevitz line is Luis Jimenez, and he is quietly going going about doing his business very, very well. He's sort of somebody that popped up out of nowhere. You see a name like Luis Jimenez, and you go, well, that is most certainly not a hockey name. Well, let me tell you, that guy is a hockey player because he's been doing outstanding. I do want to get into this, though, and this is something that I think will explain the state of hockey, the state of hockey knowledge in the South. That's the officiating and the physicality. How much of this game, North Carolina takes two major penalties. NC State has a plethora of calls against them as well. It becomes a brutal match in the physical sense. I mean, we want to tread lightly here, most certainly, but it seemed to be a problem as we got into the last 40 minutes of that game. And I guess the best way to go about that was, what were your your opinions and feelings as you watched so many physical and highly illegal plays? Well, if you're NC State,
0: To an extent, when it comes to the actual playing of the game, you can control what your opponent does. When it comes to those extracurriculars, you have absolutely no control over that. NC State completely understood that, and they showed it because they stayed very disciplined. A couple of times... like. With Jack McDonald, you see a couple of retaliation penalties, but very minor, a couple of extra shells after the play that gets you an extra two minutes. That's not too bad. The fact that they are, were able to play through that and continue to do what they did throughout the entirety of that game just shows the character of this team. And the fact is they did not sink down and, and go back and, and retaliate. They just played their game. They didn't let it phase them. It showed just how mentally tough they are.
1: I think the biggest problem for me, I I, I do applaud NC State for being so highly disciplined because most of the time they came out of those situations with a power play, which was tremendous and really part of their success to winning by such a large margin. The problem I had is that there were no ejections levied until two minutes to go. And the ejection that was given against Vincent Boudreau was for an attempt to fight. And according to the rule book that's highly iffy. There was no punch thrown. The only intent there was the fact that he dropped both gloves and the stick, which can be construed as such minimal time remaining, so nothing to the effect that would really harm him or his career moving forward. No suspension for a game after as well. This bothers me, and I think this says something about the state of officiating in this state of North Carolina, because there is a call against Nathaniel Haas that is a five-minute major and rightfully slow for an overhead slash to the wrists of Simon Lecter. I have not seen a play like that in a hockey game since Marty McSorley, since Todd Bertuzzi did it, and that's back in the early 2000s and late 90s. That is old-style, gritty, and quite dirty hockey. That one really bothered me the most because it was unnecessary. There was no play on the puck. It's a clear frustration penalty. I think at some point... Somebody is going to have to get seriously injured for there to be a reevaluation of the officiating at this level. And that's unfortunate to say because it really shouldn't come down to that. I went back and watched the replays of all the penalties. I mean, for the most part, if you look, both teams. It's a tripping. It's a hooking. It's an interference. It, it's things that happen naturally throughout the course of the game. But when I see these spikes in highly illegal plays, highly dangerous plays, it bothers me. Because the only way to get through somebody's head that this is a dangerous play, you're not going to be allowed to do this, is to take them off the ice for an extended amount of time. And I don't just mean five-minute major. Because Nathaniel Haas goes right back out there once again and gets to playing the same way. Because he's one of those guys that we talked about in the live broadcast that all hits are delivered high, they're delivered with elbows, they're not legal body checks, and you can forget those being called. For some reason, there's this timidity among officials in the state of North Carolina in the ACCHL and that's an issue if you wear the stripes you've got to conduct yourself with an amount of authority that demands and commands respect and the fact of the matter was that that just wasn't done against North Carolina
0: and I think that game will be looked at it and we'll see what happens going forward but again if you're NC State it's something and something that Coach Mike Gazilla says is you can only play against one opponent at a time. So don't worry about that. Let it handle itself. They did that, and they've showed time and again to this point that if they play the way they're supposed to play, they're going to win games. All you can do if you're Coach Mike Gazilla is to keep playing the way you're playing, guys. Keep your head on a swivel. Make sure you stay in safe situations. Don't put yourself in a vulnerable position. But they did a great job with that on in most cases, and they come away with a big win.
1: Without a doubt, the hockey team is back in action against the University of North Carolina at Wilmington. You can listen to that game live on 88.1 WKNC Raleigh. Myself alongside Chris over there will have the call for you. Puck drop at 10 p.m. will be on air at 9.45. We do hope you will tune in. And then, of course, the next televised game will be the very next night. Saturday, NC State comes back to host the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. If NC State wins that game, they have automatically locked up at least a share of the number one spot in the Carolina division, and we are barely halfway through the season. That's simply tremendous.
0: Uh, They're just absolutely
1: (laughs) steamrolling through their opponents
0: right now. Big one against Wilmington, though, this week. That's going to be a test.
1: That is a non-conference game and one that could have ACHA ranking implications. We hope you'll join us for those. From the ice to the gridiron, NC State took on the number 3 Clemson Tigers this past Saturday. NC State solid effort by the offense but the defense just could not hold the Tigers 56- 41 victory for the number three team and now Clemson is ranked number one in the college football playoff polls that just came out this week Tigers look good but NC State did give themselves a chance to win this football game
0: oh well, you summed it up perfectly there are two sentences offense played great defense kind of rolled over that's That, to an extent, isn't true. I think there was effort in there, and they were just completely overpowered by the end of the game. I think they were exhausted and worn out, but I do think there were some improvements that could have been made. The thing you have to look at is how this offense played, and the big thing is Matt Days might be done for this game. He hasn't really been announced, but it sounds like probably not for this game, and there is the potential for it to last the rest of the season, which means there's going to have to be a big adjustment in this offense. Really, you know, Jalen Samuel seems to be the next option and he's listed as a tight end slash fullback. So, there really is no running back anymore. It is going to be about quick passes and I think that worked really well for the Wolfpack.
1: Samuel Samuel still six touches, 65 yards, so the running game may not be as potent as it would have been with number 21 in the backfield but there's still going to be some threats and you have a couple of freshmen who are very talented. DeQuay Nichols, Reggie Gillespie, Naheem Hines may start to see more on jet sweeps, but The injury does bring up something. I mean, you're right, Chris. This has been kept very hush-hush. I mean, you've heard numbers from out a week, out for the rest of the season, including a potential bowl game. I mean, this is a very interesting injury, and I've seen him walking around campus. He's in a boot. He seems to be at least in fairly good spirits, or as much as an injured starter can be. Will Richardson, also with legal trouble, will be out against the Boston College Eagles this Saturday. The run game may not be as strong as we would have expected it to be. So the next question is, how much of this next game against Boston College goes on Jacoby Brissett and the receiving core shoulders as being the main source of offense? I would almost put it more on the
0: coaching staff. I think if you look at the way that this offense was run in that stretch where NC State really struggled those two games against Louisville and Virginia Tech, the offense to me was very predictable, methodical, not in a good way methodical, in a very predictable, easy-to-stop methodical way. And I think this will shake it up. I think this is a good thing, almost, with Matt Days being out because it forces Matt Canada and this NC State offense to find different ways to do things, and that's not going to be seen on tape right now. So that is something that could be a huge advantage if they use it right. That's the big question. Do they use it right in this game? And this game is very important because you don't have really any other easy games left to get that sixth win and get yourself into a bowl.
1: And we'll get to that scheduling in one second. But the last question I want to ask team-wise about this football team is the fact of the matter that the special teams game has been non-existent at best. Once again, another missed field goal from a makeable range by Kyle Bambard. Jackson Maples has started taking field goal reps in practice. We'll see if he actually gets to make the field against Boston College. There were a couple plays in that game. Defensively, if you could have blocked a field goal instead of just an extra point because Greg Hugel has an outstanding game responsible for nine points by the Clemson Tigers just by the fact that he is making his kicks and Kyle Bambard is not. And that's forcing Dave Doran to go for it In situations where you'd normally settle for three points, that's a little scary. Chris, you as a kicker understand the importance of being able to put the ball through the uprights. What's it going to take to fix this problem?
0: Well, you called Kyle Bambard non
1: existent. I would almost say he's too existent. You want a kicker (laughs) to He's too much of a problem.
0: You want a kicker to be non existent. Kickoffs, you want to know they're gone, there's no return. Extra points, short field goals, you don't even want to have to look. You want to know every time it's going through. That's not Kyle Bambard. Three for nine is not a Division One, Power Five conference kicker. There are plenty of kickers out there that can hit a ball better than that right now. It is not acceptable. It needs to be changed, and it sounds like it might be changed. I think we might see a new kicker coming out this week. I think we should see a new kicker.
1: And that will do it for this week's edition of Chris Lehman's <laughs> Soapbox Kickers Corner. <laughs> So we've both gotten our long speeches in. I covered the ACHA, ACCHL officiating crisis. You have successfully covered what it means to be an NCAA Division I level kicker. And speaking of kicking, our final topic is this NC State soccer team. Right now, it is two to nothing, Syracuse as the game continues to wind down. I thought NC State was going to be able to pull it out and maybe get a win in the ACC tournament. It looks like that's not going to be the case. It's been a large step forward for this program. What's it going to take for them to continue to grow?
0: You have to just keep trending in the same direction, build from the back. We talked about this earlier in the year on Pulse of the Pack, both you and I on that show as well in 88.1 WKNC. Uh, We talked about building from the back, building from a strong defense, and I think they can do that now going forward. This year, I'm not sure exactly what happens at the end of the season. Maybe a couple of guys banged up still playing. That's always something that you see near the end of a season. They just don't quite seem to be that same team we saw in midseason form.
1: Right, and and it is unfortunate because you thought this might be the year, especially with senior Alex McCauley, but we will see if they are able to get an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. Looks like it might be unlikely, still an outside shot. Uh, One other quick note while we're talking about foot sports, NC State cross-country, all of a sudden looking really good, cross-country and track and field team, men's and women's, ranked in the top ten for the ranking system that is used in that sport. The women's team Eighth, the men's team in 10th, both of them jumping eight spots from the lower part of the polls. Simply tremendous. You can catch them in action at the Wake Med Carey Soccer Park for the three-stripe invite this Saturday. Well, Chris, nearly to the end of the show, but we are going to get to our predictions. The score at the end of week one, 3-3. Three to three, We are both 60%, so this one could be for a little bit of leverage. We're going to start out with college game day. College football is in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. The Crimson Tide will be taking on the LSU Tigers. The Bayou Bengals looking to lock up the SEC West. This is a huge game. Who you got?
0: Well, a lot of people really not happy with Alabama being up in the top 5 or top 4 for the playoff rankings. I kind of agree with that. I don't mind them too much. I think LSU is a little bit better with Leonard Fournette. Heading that offense, I see the Tigers kidding the win in Tuscaloosa.
1: I don't think it's even a question as to who I'm going to pick. If you could see me <laughs> in studio here, it's an Alabama hat, it's an Alabama hoodie. I'm going with the and Crimson yet we're at Tide. NC State. I'm going with the Crimson Tide. I mean, I think they're going to prove that ranking true. I think this is a tremendous football team. Nick Saban, easily the best college football coach in America, in my opinion. I know that's up for debate. I've got Alabama in this one. Transitioning back into the ACC biggest game for the Coastal Division all year, the Duke Blue. Devils will travel to Keenan Stadium to take on the North Carolina Tar Heels who are ranked number 21. This is Tar Heels team undefeated in the ACC, one loss against South Carolina. Big one, Chris. Can you pick a blue school for me? I'm going with Duke in this one. I think they're a little bit salty at the way
0: that they, they lose to Miami last week. They know they deserve one. I think David Cutcliffe's a great coach. He'll have his team ready. And they're not going to forget what UNC did after that win last year at Wallace Wade Stadium. There's a lot for a Duke to come back and get a win and a lot of revenge
1: motivation here for the blue devils thomas circuit quarterback is nothing more than the michelin man in football pads i think he has minimal football skill and for that reason i'm going with the tar heels i think they are well on their way to an acc championship run i don't think they'll be able to beat clemson or florida state regardless of who they play but they will be in that championship game you mark my words nc state will take on the boston college eagles in chestnut hill it's a big one for the Wolfpack trying to get to bowl eligibility do they do it I'm going to say they will. I'm a little bit tentative because the defense
0: was a little bit shaky. The offense seems to be back. We'll see if they can continue to build off of that second half without Matt Days against Clemson. I think that their offense is good enough to score against Boston College while the Eagles offense isn't quite going to be able to get it done against the defense.
1: Well, we're actually going to agree on this one. I've got NC State. I think it's huge. I think they've got to prove themselves that they are a better team than just the injuries they've surmounted. It's a big one for them. It's got to take a whole lot of pressure as they head down the stretch. Reminder, they will play Florida State on the road before coming home to face Syracuse and North Carolina to round out the season. Switching over to hockey, it's a big one. A ranked matchup between a Division II and a Division III team. NC State traveling to the Wilmington Ice House, where they have not won in a very long time. Do they get the W against the Seahawks. Well, it just seems
0: to be who's next for NC State, and I think they're going to get this win. As you said, it's been a while. They know this is a good opponent who went to Nationals. Might have been Division Three, not Division Two like NC State. Still a good club, but this is a very good, very confident team who's good at
1: taking care of business. I think they do it in Wilmington on Friday. It's also the most electric crowd they will be facing in a tiny rink at the Wilmington Ice House. I'm going to agree with you. I think NC State keeps the undefeated streak alive, and they finally get a win at the dub. And finally, Finally, we will transition to the NFL. First time we've picked one of those games in a while. The Carolina Panthers, as much as it hurts my heart to say it, are 7-0 and undefeated. But they will be taking on the one-loss Green Bay Packers come Sunday. Chris, this is a huge game for both of these teams. Who wins it?
0: Well, I think that the Carolina Panthers' offense is a little bit underrated due to the fact they don't have too many big names in there. I think they're going to be pretty good. I think they will show up. This might be... Uh, this might be a tough matchup, the biggest one so far for the Panthers. I think their defense and secondary is good enough to slow down Aaron Rodgers, and I think that they surprise everybody and get the win against green bay that's
1: an interesting take on it i've got nothing more than green and gold all the way i really hope the green bay packers beat them thanks so much to rebecca martin for joining us from the mc state club gymnastics teams and a huge thank you to our technical director logan Sims. signing off for chris layman i'm drew blevins you've been listening to the howler giving you the state of wolfpack athletics and we will see you again next week thanks for joining us
0: Thanks for listening to The Howler, a service of Wolfpack Sports Television. Find out more at go.ncsu.edu/sports.